here today with my good friend Marcel, and we are presenting to you the Jazz and Brass and Other Stuff 2 podcast. Hello, hey, we're back. We're doing the thing that we do. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, man, I feel like the last podcast we did, it just kind of flew by. I don't even remember what we talked about, so let's let's try not to repeat anything. Let's do our best. <laughs> yeah, I have no recollection of what we talked about. I think it was just... Um, I think that might have been the first time, like, we video chatted since, like, your, 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 when you departed. Yeah, yeah. We, we hadn't actually talked for a long time. That's true. Um, anyway, yeah. So, hey, for those of you uh, tuning in, if you're not aware, Jazz and Grass is an account that we run on uh, Instagram, apart from this podcast. And that is a daily guitar lick uh account and we post a new guitar like uh monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and saturday on sunday we post this podcast and that encompasses all of what jazz and grass is lyman posts the uh jazz licks and me marcel i post the bluegrass licks and that's what we do yep and uh if you if you have a question or a comment or you want to yell at us about literally anything we have a hotline you can call the hotline um don't worry, I'm not going to pick up the phone. It goes straight to voicemail. But you can also text the hotline, too. Um, and the, any hour of the day, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. But that number is 724-257-1046. That's 724-257-1046. Boom. And we've also got some more housekeeping. Um, we're changing the format a little bit on this podcast. We are... Uh, going to post every other week rather than every week for um, a little while. Uh, the foreseeable future. The foreseeable <laughs> future. We'll, we'll foresee what happens. Yeah. Or just see what happens. Yeah, we're just real busy, but it'll work out fine. Hey, so anyway, in the last podcast, um, we talked a little bit about a festival I was going to be going to soon. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm now back from that festival. That was Rhythm and Roots. That was in Bristol, Tennessee slash Virginia. Um, that's right. The town of Bristol is split in half right there on the border between Virginia and Tennessee. If you've never been there before, it is awesome. They call it the birthplace of country music. Um, it's famous for a bunch of recording sessions in the 1920s. So the 1927 Bristol sessions uh, took place there. And uh, they recorded the Carter family and they recorded Jimmy Rogers and a lot of very early country acts. And um, they have a whole museum there and they have this giant festival every year called Rhythm and Roots where they have a bunch of acts of just, you know, all different types. And God, I don't even know how many stages there were. Maybe there was even like 10 or 12 stages. Plus there's a bunch of like little uh, like restaurants and stuff that have stages inside with people performing. There's no way you can possibly see everything. Uh, but yeah, we went with some friends. We stayed at a friend's place in Bristol, and uh, we went to the festival uh, for the weekend there. I got to see, uh, I got to see some really cool people. I got to see Taj Mahal, who I'd never seen blues, right? Um, never seen um, Old Crow Medicine Show, which I got to see, which was really cool. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and they closed out. Uh, they closed out Saturday night, and I got to see like Wagon Wheel and stuff. They actually, yeah, they covered Darius Rucker, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I think they're big fans of Darius. Um, But yeah, they actually put on a great show. Wow. Like, in terms of uh, like uh, uh, 
like uh, work in the audience and like being exciting on stage, kind of jumping around and like having a good light show and like having good crew and all of that. It's just incredible. Um, you know, the, the lead singer in that band, I think his name's Kevin or Keith, Kevin or Keith. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, old girl, if you're listening, I know you're not, but, um, uh, he plays harmonica and he sings and he also plays fiddle. And then he plays like banjo and guitar and mandolin, depending on the song, whatever. But his main instruments are harmonica, fiddle and voice. Right. And I think he does that so when he's singing, he can do the little fill-in parts if he leans to the microphone with his fiddle or with his harmonica. And there were a couple songs where he would be like, you know, playing uh, fiddle and singing. And then like right as he finishes a chorus, their, uh, you know, their sound guy would run out with a harmonica in his hand and would like take the fiddle from him and give him the harmonica really quick so he could take like the harmonica break like right there. And one time he even ran out and put a hat on his head. Like they did a hat switch and he gave Mara Monica <laughs> and took his fiddle. It's incredible. Good stuff. Funny stuff. Um, but yeah, we uh, we got to see a bunch of acts. It was really cool. It was really something. The last time I was in Bristol was in like 2014, I think. And I really didn't do anything except for go and look at the big sign in the middle of the street. They, have, they, yeah. So if you've once again, if you've never been to Bristol, it's awesome. In in the middle of the street on Main Street, they have these plaques, just like every three feet or so, that say Virginia and Tennessee, because Main Street is split right down the middle, and they even have to abide by like the different. Well, of course, they have to abide by the different state laws. So, like the bars on one side of the street have to close two hours earlier than the bars on the other side of the same street. Wow, that's. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, yeah, it's very silly and uh, bizarre. But yeah, uh, last time I was there, all I really did was went down Main Street and uh, went through one of the museums they have there. But I didn't really get to do any of the fun stuff that I did this time, so that was sweet. Um, I also got to see a, a local bluegrass band that I think the lead singer went to high school with my friend Andy. They were called the Honey Badgers. Um, they seemed really good. So shout out to the Honey Badgers too. Shout outs. Uh, bars having to close earlier than the other side of the street. That like seems like one side has like a major advantage in just business. <laughs> well, yeah. Th- so that's the other thing is that like when people, you know, like say like Costco wants to open a location in Bristol. Well, then like uh, the Virginia side and the Tennessee side kind of have a battle like being like, oh, well, you can build here and it'll be like next to these neighborhoods and we'll give you this much land and like blah, 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 because both sides will want the commerce of, you know, Costco or whatever. And it creates these like really interesting things kind of in town where like one side's got the like Cabello's and the other side has like the Costco or whatever. And people have to like go back and forth to deal with that. Um, yeah, it's weird. The other big thing about Bristol, too, if you're a NASCAR fan, is that's where they have um, a couple big races every year. Um, the Bristol Speedway, I think Bristol is a short track, too, so it's kind of more it's more interesting for all you racing fans out there. Are you a racing fan? Um, not really. I think I've just learned a lot more about um, how it works since I moved here. Um, not that I see a lot of racing fans, but... Um, I've I've certainly like asked people who are fans to like explain stuff to me. Your wife is a fan, is she not? Yeah, she she's a big NASCAR fan. Um, so I will ask her about the Bristol Speedway tonight. Yeah, do it. 
Um, yeah, I was like a couple miles from it. Um, I really want to go to a race there. I think it would be really cool. Mm. Those cars zooming by so fast. How fast do they go? Like 200 miles an hour? Um, I think, uh, I don't know, man. I think 200 seems a little, um, seems a little on the high side. Um, this is funny because this is the territory we got into last time where it's uh, two guitar players talking about stuff they have uh, no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The Ignoramus uh, podcast. A top, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm Googling this right now. It says a top level stock car can reach speeds in excess of 200 miles per hour. Wow. Um, the fastest I've ever driven a car would be like 92 i think yeah i don't yeah i don't think i've gone much faster than that i mean like when you own a car you got to check to see if it's a time machine that's just a thing you know you get a new car <laughs> and you're like i gotta take this baby to 88 and just see what happens <laughs> one time i was uh driving around with my buddy um and he he takes me off in these like back roads in Whatcom County where where we both uh spent a lot of time in um and then starts going like he he finds a straightaway and then starts going 110 that freaks me the hell out <laughs> uh, and that was when I, I i discovered i don't like going fast yeah you really the only have to i ever ever go fast is to like get somewhere a little bit earlier and I'm just keeping up with the flow of traffic, you know? <laughs> if everybody's going uh, 85, I got to go 85 too. Yeah. But yeah. over 100 is too fast. You really got to trust someone to uh, to go that fast in an automobile. Uh, I don't think I trust myself that much. Um. <laughs> uh. Anyway, man, let's talk about some music stuff. What do you got going in your world? You got some gigs or something? Yeah. Um, well... I, I had like one gig over the course of the last two weeks. Um, so that's pretty it's lazy. Been, it's been vacation time for me. Yeah. Um, then I got bored and I had to start doing some work. So I'm filming some jazz and grass licks right now. Um, getting that batch uh, all ready to go. So I don't have to think about it for a few months. Uh, but like all the gigs piled up to uh, this week. I have four gigs this week. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, with three different bands. So that should be fun. Yeah. Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, too. That's a three-day stretch. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, what instruments am I playing? Um, <laughs> you don't even know what you're playing. I'm playing a an upright gig on Wednesday and then electric bass Friday, Saturday, and then electric bass plus fretless bass on Sunday. Do you have any, do you, do you have any guitar gigs right now or is it all bass? Um, the, the band I'm playing upright in, it's just a duo. Sometimes I, I play guitar for the night. Just It literally depends what I'm feeling that day. Um, right. And I'm I'm fortunate enough that uh, the the singer Cheyenne, she just lets me do whatever I want. 
Sometimes I show up with an electric bass. Sometimes I show up with a guitar and the laptop and the entire rig. And sometimes, most of the time, I'm playing the upright. Um, yeah, well, when you recorded your uh, the little demo you did with that band, um, you played the electric guitars and bass, right? Yeah, yeah, electric guitars and upright. Um, I heard a really good joke, uh, a good bass player joke. How do you know if a bass player plays fretless bass? I don't know how. Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, so I'm telling you, I do play the fretless bass, but it's not something I do all that often. Um, I, I used to play fretless 100% of the time, but I realized like the fretless bass is necessary maybe like 5% of the time and that's on the high side. Yeah. Um, so I don't play it nearly as much as I uh, used to, but it's still fun. Yeah, I like all of my bass parts just a little bit out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, if I'm playing a lot of bit out of tune. Uh, uh, yeah, I got some gigs coming up too. I got this, uh, um, well, you know, speaking of another festival, I got uh, uh, IBMA week uh, here in Raleigh now. Um, those are the uh, International Bluegrass Music Awards for those of you that don't know. So um, they kind of have a bunch of IBMA events, and then they have the World of Bluegrass Festival. And that's got, like, they close down, like, the majority of downtown. There's a bunch of, like, uh, stages in the middle of the street. There's an amphitheater downtown that's a uh, Red Hat that does that. And uh, I think there's seven free stages, and then, you know, uh, a convention side and so on and so forth. It's a big thing. But... Um, I think I'm going to sit in with a bunch of friends for that. Other people have gigs for IBMA. Um, I have a Saturday gig for IBMA, but it's at uh, kind of a hole-in-the-wall bar. Um, but I'm going to sit in with some people for some other stuff, which will be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, how many different bands do you think you're going to play with? Um, I don't know what different names they're going to be under, but <laughs> it's kind of all the same gang. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, on Saturday, we're playing a gig at Berkeley Cafe. Um, and that's going to be me and my friend Jack Devereaux. And uh, he's a fiddle player. And we've never played a show together. We're also not going to rehearse. Um, it's going to be killer. Um, two hours of top-notch, unrehearsed bluegrass. Uh, and then uh, tonight, uh, there's a weekly showcase, bluegrass showcase here in uh, Raleigh that's called Beer and Banjos. That's at the Raleigh Times if you're in the area. And um, that's run by a guy named Hank who's a wonderful banjo player. But uh, I'm going to go there tonight and I'm going to sit in with those guys, um, which is going to be fun. And uh, they got some other stuff going on. I think they're running a jam and I think they're playing another gig later in the week for IBMA. And they've invited me to kind of all of that. Um, all, all of the people in that band are kind of like our friend group. It's like the people we hang out with. <laughs> How's Nakos doing? Is he playing much? Oh, yeah. Uh, Nakos, uh, Nakos left Raleigh. Nakos oh, is really? out. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, entirely what made his decision or anything. But yeah, he decided that... Uh, um, he decided that he was out. He left uh, right before the hurricane hit. 
Um, and we actually kind of found out afterwards, too. We didn't even get, like, a proper goodbye or anything. But I guess he's heading back to Washington. Um, I don't know what area or anything. But, yeah, I hope he keeps playing Dobro. Yeah, I, I had no idea. That's a... Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. No, it is. It's wild. Um, yeah. About that uh, that unrehearsed unrehearsed uh, two-hour gig... <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to, I want to hear about like your thought process and how you're going to approach everything, um, that goes into playing a gig with a new person unrehearsed. Yeah, definitely. So, um, uh, I guess it's important that you understand that, you know, bluegrass, and I know you know this, but bluegrass mm -hmm. is a standard based genre, just like jazz, right? So we can pick from, um, you know, a bunch of standards, we'd be flying all night. But obviously, we don't really want to do that because then we just seem like a, a lazy band, um, right? If we're just playing, like, all of the obvious choices. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, I, I went ahead and I made a list of tunes that, uh, that I don't regularly play, but that I think are interesting. And they're either they're in, like, different keys or they're... Uh, kind of unpopular or maybe they're from like country or they're from other stuff and I just made a big old list and I shot it over to him and I was like hey this this is everything I'm bringing to the table you know why don't you write a list and you shoot it back to me and we'll kind of meet in the middle on what tunes we actually want to take on um of course that doesn't really touch anything about uh how we're actually going to play or how I'm going to approach playing with him or anything but you know luckily with these genres like bluegrass and jazz there is kind of a um, an etiquette built in there. You know, there's kind of like, there's, we we all have kind of a standard way that we can like kick tunes and like tag tunes and like um, how we can like trade breaks inside of a tune. Um, we all know how to like work with vocalists and everything. So there's a formula there. <laughs> how much we stick to that formula, I think depends on when we get in the moment, like how much we want to play with each other that way. Um but yeah, I've 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 heard this guy play a lot, and he's heard me play a fair amount. So I think that even though we've never played together, you know, in a live context, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I I, I have no no fear in my heart for you and your buddy. <laughs> what do you think about when you do a gig like that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I I. I I really try to uh, get into what I call like the, the focus state and just um, be completely present, like um, have my, my antennae up for anything that could possibly go wrong that I, uh, you know, wouldn't expect. Um, and... Um, just, just really, really listening using my ears. Yeah. Uh, figure out what's going on around me, what I can, you know. I'm, I do a lot of jazz bass gigs, so my my role is pretty defined, but I'm, I'm always looking for little pockets, like little openings that I can exploit there. Um, and uh, if, I, if I don't know a tune, like... Hopefully there's a chart. If there's a chart, um, just really zone in on the chart. Try to, uh, you know, figure the tune out, figure out how it moves. 
And then I try to get off the chart by like the third chorus. So I'm back into the the listening state. Um, right, of course. But uh, yeah, keeping keeping things relatively simple helps me. Um, something else. Yeah, I, something else I, that helps me. I, I really like keeping kind of a loose attitude. I feel like I do much better in. Um, um, you know, in kind of these situations where you don't know what's going to happen, I find that I do a lot better when I feel um, like I don't really care, I guess is a way to say it. You know, when you when you feel just like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, I feel like I, I tend to uh, perform a lot better um, mm-hmm. because all that, all that, I've taken all that pressure off myself. Um, yeah, and that's kind of a reminder to do that. Um yeah, I also, uh, it's really, I guess it's really easy when you're at these kind of gigs and situations too, it's really easy to get bullied into um, playing things that will make you look bad. And that's something that I don't really like to do at all. When I'm playing these kind of gigs and I don't feel like singing and someone's like, sing a tune, why don't you sing this one, sing that one. I've heard you sing that before, why don't you sing it? And I don't feel like singing it. I'll just say no. <laughs> you know, like I'll I'll just brutally shut it down. Like I actually don't feel like doing that. So I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm already, we're, we're already in a situation where we're compromised. This is already like kind of who knows what's going to happen. So if I, if I go any further than that, it's only going to get worse. So whatever I'm comfortable with doing in the moment is what I'm going to do. Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, if I was playing with a band and we had like worked out a set list or we knew that these are the songs we had to like be prepared to play. And we got to a song where I was like, man, I don't really feel like doing that one. I would probably still do it because I'm like, man, I owe it to these guys to like be able to sing these songs at any moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I'm just sitting in with someone, no, I'm not going to do stuff I don't want to do. That happens a lot too when like a tune comes up that I really know and like I'm playing rhythm and someone looks at me for the next break and I shake my head and they look at me again like, oh no, you're going to do it. And I'm like, now, if you give it to me, I'm just not going to play. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to strong arm me into this thing. Like, I'm only going to do the stuff that's going to work well. That's what you should be doing, too. We should be in this together to make good music. <laughs> Let's talk about that game of musical chicken that happens yeah. sometimes. Like, man, like I, I've, I've seen that happen at a... At sessions, all the time at jazz sessions, like yeah, yeah, people uh, trying to force you into this thing, yeah, yeah. Like, why? Why would you do that? (laughs) Um, It's one thing if you're, you know, just you know, sitting around a buddy's basement. Like, no, give it a try. Like, see what you can come up with over these difficult changes. But if you're on a stage, like, there's no place to to be a bully. Like that 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 takes away from the music. Yeah. It's going to make, it's not going to make you look better because, Oh, I I can do this thing. And I look, I made this guy do the thing and he didn't do it as good as me. (laughs) No, it's going to make everybody look worse. Yeah. We're all playing music together and the music just got worse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, yeah, it, it happens a lot with, um, you know, in bluegrass jams, when uh, you're playing fiddle tunes and stuff like that, a fiddle tune will come up that 
you don't really know, or maybe it's a little crooked. It's got like a couple measures of 2-4 or something, which happens a lot. And um, if you don't know exactly where they are or where they kind of land or the easiest way to count it in your mind, uh, yeah, you don't want to take a break on that tune. You're going to get turned around and you're going to be feeling like the wrong beat is one and you're going to like finish your solo two beats after everyone just completed the form. Like, you don't want to do that. Like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes it's fun to do that if if the if the stakes are real low, like you're saying, if you're in your friend's basement. I know that happened to me when I was in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, when we talked about that when I visited. Um, I was at a jam with a bunch of uh, kind of better players, and they were playing um, uh, Jerusalem Ridge, which is a minor tune, which I should know how to play. Honestly, it's not that hard. But um, the whole thing is in uh, A minor. It sounds like this. Uh, and uh, the the whole melody is like that. It's just kind of this wandering, uh, you know, A minor, A minor, A minor, A minor. It just feels like just, you know, like this could have been part of the tune. So right. it's a diatonic <laughs> landscape? Yeah, exactly. It's a diatonic landscape. And uh, so I, uh, uh, I was in a jam where that tune came up, and I was like, man, I don't want to take a break. I'm just going to mess this up. You know, it's got like three parts. And I don't even remember how the three different parts go. Like four parts, I think. And um, um, I took it anyway, and I, I messed it up. I bombed, but it was fine, you know. Like, the, the stakes were low. It was the kind of situation where I could bomb. There was no audience. It didn't matter. You know, it was the kind of situation where it was better for it. You know, everyone was like, hey, that guy doesn't know the tune, and he tried it anyway. Wasn't that fun? You know, instead of <laughs> instead of like an audience being like, man, that guy was really bad. What's he doing up there with the rest of those people? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's what I'll be doing this week whenever I'm on stage. Trying not to play songs that I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's like every time I get on stage, it's me playing songs I don't know. Yeah. Um, and as a bass player, I, I know I just talked about how much I hated, you know, strong arming. But I can I can strong arm a little bit like... I'm just going to stay here and, and play a pedal one for a little bit until I can figure this out. What are you going to do? Yeah. You stop the tune? <laughs> this is okay for the one chord, kind of okay for the six chord, super okay for the four chord. Things are going to be fine here, people. <laughs> I, w- I was playing at this this jam night one time. This, this drummer that I really like showed up, and uh, we were... We were playing together, and uh, this this singer guitar player came on stage and starts playing "Heart Shaped Box" uh, mm. by Nirvana. Yeah, like twenty BPM slower than it should be. Uh, right in that sweet um, spot, <laughs> twenty BPM slower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the drummer naturally got it up to the tempo it was supposed to be, um, because you know. Drummers rush or get to the tempo that they want to play at, and then they play at that tempo. Yeah, it's fine. Once once you deal with once you know that that's a thing, like it's easier to deal with. <laughs> yeah, go limp now and just accept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the guitar player takes his hand off his guitar, turns around at at us, and just yells "slow," and then starts the song again. <laughs> that's good 
this <laughs> so, the same. <laughs> uh, and, and I was like, wow, that's a, you have to let what's going to happen happen. Like if, if you're, if you're coming up on a jam night, like whatever happens on stage becomes the music. And uh, when you accept that fact, it makes things easier to deal with. But that him turning around and yelling, slow, uh, that, that became part of the music. Yeah. And uh, the, this, the same jerk off, like in the, like we were, we were closing out the night. We were playing a tune with uh, some of our other buddies that, uh, that, that, that came to play. And I don't know what this guy's doing. Like they're playing beer pong with water in the middle of the bar. And uh, <laughs> dude loses and then, or wins. I don't know what happened, but he just grabs one of the cups of water and just flings it and gets it all over us on stage. And that was a point where I stopped and I said, are you expletive serious? Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. What are you doing at this gig? <laughs> that, that, that was one of my weirder experiences, having a dude turn around and yell at me slow and uh, having the same dude throw water on the stage. It got on, it got on my buddy's pedal board and it got all over my, my shirt, but I don't care about that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That's like so, weird. Here's gig tip uh, number five. If you're at a show, don't throw water at people. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would all really appreciate having water not thrown at us. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> um, you got any stories like that? Any weird things? Um, I gotta think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anybody throwing anything at you? Once <laughs> in the audience, not the stage. One time, uh, I uh, one time I played a gig. I don't know if I told this story. Maybe I told it at our uh, um. What was the uh, the emergency podcast? Maybe I told it. Um, last Will and Testament. The Last Will and Testament, yeah. Uh, which is a great podcast. You should check it out if you haven't watched that episode or listened to that episode. Um, but yeah, I played a gig um, in downtown Bellingham, Washington. And uh, it was at that uh, bar that's constantly changing names, the uh, Tubbs. Uh, and then it was yeah. the Swillery, and now it's Bosco's. And... You know, it just always changes. Anyway, but it used to be the Three Trees. Yeah, it was the Three Trees Coffee House. Yeah, um, yeah. But I played a gig there one time, and it was weird. We opened for some like punk bands. It was bad, and um, we finished the show. And the other bands really didn't like us because we were headlining, and we were a bluegrass band. It was with Davis Drinking Band. I don't think you were in the band though. Um, and uh, I remember I was loading up my stuff into my car and I had snagged the parking spot like right in front um, because it's on a busy street. So I was like putting my guitar um, in the car and the van from one of the other bands (laughs) drives by and I just get nailed in the face with a banana peel. What? (laughs) And it was like, it was the most like comical, like immature and also like, um, like, I don't know, like 1940s-esque thing ever. Like, throwing <laughs> fruit at someone just seems so very outdated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, I was I was mad for about like 30 minutes and then I realized like the hilarity of the situation and I was like, who throws a banana peel? Like who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was really funny. Uh I think that was one of the last times I ever played there because I don't I don't need any more of that in my life. I'm glad that it happened once that I got hit with a banana peel, but man, hopefully I don't deserve that at any point in in the rest of my life. <laughs> Man, you got that good parking spot. Of course you deserved it. Yeah, I got the good parking spot, and I was headlining, and I wasn't a punk band. <laughs> Living in Banana Peel City. <laughs> <laughs> there was another time at the uh, Brown Lantern. My stories aren't quite as dramatic as yours, but I got some mini ones. Uh, I was at the Brown Lantern in Anacortes, Washington, and I played a gig, and a wedding party came in. Well, wedding party tried to come in. Like half of them got stopped outside because they were already too drunk. And uh, it's a bar. It's a little, it's a little on the dive side, but I like it. It's, I think it's my favorite venue to play in Anacortes. And you play on like the wooden floor. You're not on a stage or anything. Their sound system is kind of beat up, but the audience there is like so just happy to have you there. Like they're so pumped and they're so like with you. Um, yeah, I would I would play that gig like right now. Um, I love it. But um, so we were playing it. It's like one of those, like people are dancing. It's rowdy. People are shouting. We're playing like bluegrass stuff. And the wedding party is trying to come in and they're making a scene. There's like shouting and stuff. There's arguing with the bouncer about like, no, we're going to go in. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, my wife, we just got married. She's in there, like that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> so the bride's dancing with whoever and she backs up and just bumps right into my mic stand. Um, and I'm playing with like a boom stand, you know, because I'm holding an acoustic guitar, you know, especially. And uh, she bumps the mic stand and like, it's like it all happened in slow motion. Like in my mind, I was like, this is how I lose my front teeth. This is how my front <laughs> teeth go. Someone's going to bump that mic stand so hard and it's going to slam a microphone into my mouth. And I got out of the way in time. It didn't even hit my guitar, which is incredible, but it just like, I moved to the side and the whole mic stand just went down to the floor, like past <laughs> me. And we're just in the middle of a song, like everyone's still strumming. And we like, uh, someone started taking a break, like Nick did or something. And we started like playing a break and someone from the audience lifted my mic stand back up. And uh, man, it was bizarre. But I really, I really thought I was going to lose my teeth. Like it was, it was a violent moment. I think she almost fell down too. Like she was coming down. It was spooky. And you matrixed out of the way. I matrixed out of the way. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to lose my two front teeth that night. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like, yeah, they need uh, they need some like chain link fence around the little band area there. <laughs> I, th I think I got wasted on I Irish car bombs there once. That bar is sweet. Yeah. I th I th that bar is probably one of the reasons why I shouldn't drink it. <laughs> Shout out to Gus there. He was the doorman. I think he's a bartender now. Um, but Gus is awesome. If you're ever at the Brown Lantern, say hi to Gus. <laughs> I got so wasted on Irish car bombs in Anacortes that I don't even know if that was the bar we played at. <laughs> uh, that's good. Could uh, be. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's another one right next door that's called the um, the something something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um. Yeah. Uh, 
any more uh, info on the the bluegrass awards going on? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of like what I'm going to be doing besides sitting in with those people, I don't think I'm going to pay for anything. Uh, which means I'm I'm taking a, a page out of Lyman's playbook. Uh, no, I'm I'm really not trying to be cheap or anything. Uh, but uh, there's just so much that's going on for free that I don't think I have to pay for anything. Um, only a couple of the stages that have better acts are do you have to pay for the tickets are only like fifty bucks. But I don't really want to be there all day. And there's like seven other free stages that have good acts. Um, and then. Um, the whole uh, conference part of it, where you get to see all the like vendors and stuff, um, like Diodario and Martin and Taylor and you know everything else, um, uh, all of that's going to be open to the public on Saturday and Sunday. So I think that's starting tomorrow on Wednesday, but all of that's going to be open uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, why don't I just wait till the weekend and then go do that stuff? Um, so, so I don't. I don't think I have to pay for anything, which is really nice. I mean, that's all the big stuff, and then all of the, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of insider knowledge here for those of you that don't know. But at these big uh, bluegrass festivals that take place uh, in cities, normally all the acts are kind of booked into uh, the same hotel or the same kind of bunch of hotels, and um, that means that those hotels turn into really big jam centers, and it becomes like. You know, people in the hallways, people in the staircases, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> there's just uh, uh, rooms with their doors like propped open. And there's just like, you know, 10 people in there all playing like banjos and fiddles and guitars and mandolins. So um, I imagine I'll spend uh, a fair amount of time hanging out there at the hotel in uh, Raleigh. I'm not going to say what it is. I, I feel weird about like just giving that away. Yeah, don't. <laughs> And then everyone's gonna be like, "Ah, oh, that lessons with Marcel guy. He gave away our secret, and I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be banned from bluegrass forever." Uh, let's segue into that chiggy song about uh, chilling at the Holiday Inn, <laughs> at the hotel party. <laughs> I don't think so, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a hotel party, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. Anyway, fun stuff. There's gonna be some. Uh, uh, some meetings and stuff, some some lessons with Marcel business. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Why aren't you going to go um, to a sweet festival and tell me all about it, man? <laughs> um, you mean you're already sick about hearing the stories about going to see Macklemore and Kesha? <laughs> that's all you have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was like three or four months ago at this point. Yeah. It was like... I don't know where the the festivals are uh, in in Phoenix or Flagstaff. Um, That's why you gotta get, you gotta go to the Jazz and the Pines Festival in uh, Prescott, Arizona. Shout out to my homies in Prescott, where I went to <laughs> elementary and middle school. <laughs> oh, you're from Prescott? Yeah. So I was oh. I was born in Phoenix, and then my family moved to Prescott, and then uh, we moved to Bellingham. I uh, I recently did a gig in. Prescott, like about a month and a half ago. Oh, really? Was it on Whiskey Row? Um, it was at a boys and girls club. Oh, is it a boys and girls club? Hmm. Um, it, it was for suicide prevention. So, absolutely, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it was my first time ever being in Prescott. Yeah, you got to say it right. Prescott. <laughs> Prescott? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not Prescott. Yeah. Prescott is how it's written, not how it's said. Um, yeah. Um, I'll go to a festival at some point. But let's, uh, let's move on. Let's bring back an old reoccurring segment. Uh, oh, yes. I hope this is the segment I want. Um, I'm not drinking anything no. today. No! <laughs> <laughs> I am getting pretty thirsty, though. Um, Maybe we should but, take a brief recess while you pick out a cup and put some water in it. <laughs> oh, man, it's really okay. happening. Yeah, all right. I'll just... Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking through this. I'm, I'm telling the good people what you're doing. Lyman was acting like he was going to cut. No, man. Lyman, you just stand up. You walk away. And I got things to say. So, uh, audience, let's me and you talk about Lyman for a second. Man, what's up with that guy, right? Why is he always talking about Mac Moore and uh, Kesha? Seems like he's really into that stuff. You know, maybe he could just let that go for a little bit, go to another festival. Like I was saying, Jazz in the Pines, Prescott, Arizona, wonderful festival. Um, I never got to play that, but I got to go to it. That was a nice festival. Um, for those of you looking for updates on Lyman, looks like Lyman is uh, acquiring some kind of drinking vessel, and now he's sitting back down. I don't want to spoil what it is yet because I think Lyman's going to introduce himself what he's been drinking out of. Um, so here's here's the man, the myth, the legend, Lyman Lipke. What are you drinking out of today, Lyman? I am drinking Waterloo watermelon bubbly water, uh, but it's not in the can. <laughs> Did you just dump that out on your computer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Out of a Super Saiyan Vegeta <laughs> coffee mug. Uh, a very weeb of you. <laughs> it is glass. Don't tell my wife. Oh, uh, no. Uh, no, that's like ceramic, right? Yeah. That's totally you, different. <laughs> <laughs> if you break it and step on the pieces, it still hurts. That's true. Last time I had glass on the podcast was the very first episode, and directly after we were done uh, Skyping or Google Hangouting or whatever, I got up and kicked the glass over and broke it. So we have a good track record here at Jazz and Grass. <laughs> but the other segment uh, I was, I was going to introduce is, what are, what are you working on right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um yeah, I got a two-parter on that. Um, so, uh, uh, with guitar stuff, sorry, I was just getting my guitar. Yeah, I'm more or less in tune. Um, I've been doing, um, I've been doing a, a lot of thinking about kind of reevaluating um, how I create lines, and I feel like a lot of lines that are designed to be fast are made with three notes per string, right? You'll get a line that's got like... like right? They have all these like... Right? Or, you know, mm -hmm. even if they're not three notes per string, like all of the phrasing is three notes. Right? That kind of stuff. Um, and... Uh, 
I, I'm realizing that that might be kind of a um, uh, like a crutch. <laughs> you know, where like if I'm playing if I'm playing something quicker and everything is three note per string or something like it phrases, um, then that means my playing is boring. Um, so I've been trying to do that a lot less. Um, but yeah, an example. Now that I've said it, maybe you can hear that. Uh, if I do something kind of medium. Lots of three note for phrases. Right, it's cool lick, but it sounds like everything else because it's all built the same. Um, so yeah, I've been trying to think of a, a better way to kind of phrase that in a way where you still get the fluid stuff, but you don't have to do three notes per string. And of course, right, the problem is is that when you play pentatonic stuff and you have two notes per string, um, you have something that's potentially slower and it forces you to play things less linear, right? Because if I just played like a linear line with pentatonic stuff, right, I've just run out of strings. I've played the entire shape. So it doesn't really work. That's why we're playing three notes per string. Right, because it takes up more time. Um, but yeah, right, it, it, it means that if you're doing that, there's a way to think more creatively. Right, something like that includes less three notes per string or even three note phrases, but takes place in the same part of the neck using the same kind of items and is more creative. So That's yeah. That's super cool. Um, what, what's your opinion on four notes per string? <clears throat> um, I, if, if it's like straight picking and it's like ruining kind of like the finger layout, where if I have like three fingers next to each other and then I have to like jump to hit uh, the fourth one, I don't really like that. I avoid that, like the plague, for the most part, unless it's like a shifting issue. Um, but if it's if it's like three notes in a slide, I really like that. Um, you know, for instance, like kind of a classic phrase is this one: I'm on my E string and I play five four three. I'm on my B string, I play five four three, and on my third fret, I slide down to one. All right, I get four notes on a string, and um, that would be an example of like a classic bluegrass like that would do that, or backwards, right? Um, and I'm, I'm really fine with with those kind of things and those kind of scenarios. I love them, um, especially in a shifting context because that's what they're super useful for. If you can do it with a slide, um, but four four fingers fingering four notes per string uh, is a is a no no in your book. Um, yeah, with I, with the stretch, I'm, I'm talking with the stretch. Yeah, I normally don't do. I guess I, I'll do I'll do like four fingers actually right next to each other, but only in a couple. Actually, only in one scenario, and it's that like jazz cliche scenario where you walk from the third to the fifth. <laughs> that, that kind of like <laughs> cheesy stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, right. It's like it's like the lick variation. Uh, <laughs> yes. The chromatic. <laughs> um. I've been doing some some four note per string practice, um, going through different melodic minor scales. Let me see your let me see your hands when you do that. Oh yeah, did, didn't we talk about this last time? Did we talk about it last time? 
Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> Repeat. Um, no, I think we talked about three note per string melodic minor. Oh, okay, yeah. This Maybe is that's different because yeah. it has four notes. Right, it's right. one more. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but that, that was F melodic minor. And then once I go through that, you all the way down, um, I'll do uh, the next uh, available melodic minor that has uh, an F in it. Um, so that would be E flat melodic minor. And then so on. So I'll have seven different positions of melodic minor, uh, four notes per string, starting on the first fret. Right. Do you use a lot of diagonal stuff, like just in general? Um, not really. Not when I improvise, but I'm trying to, to get there, um, which is why I'm doing the four note per string thing, just to have those, uh, that idea available if I want it. Right, yeah, yeah. That's not the big thing I've been working on uh, this week. It's a uh, sweep picking. Um, I want to play fast. I want to go fast. Uh, I wish I was a blue hedgehog, but um, I was I was playing this. Uh, this you got something to say about my <laughs> yeah my sonic fetish? <laughs> I'm imagining you. <laughs> I'm imagining you like in middle school, and you have to run the mile, and you're running with your hands behind your back because you think it makes you go faster. Naruto <laughs> <toe> run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe, like, you're in the cafeteria and you just finished, like, eating or something, <laughs> and you just bolt out like that. <laughs> Thankfully, I never Naruto ran in middle school. I only started doing that when I turned 25. <laughs> yeah, I waited till I was an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but I never ran the mile in middle school. I walked it. Yeah, right. You, you, you knew what was up. Um, let me know if you ever beat that 15-minute mile. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was playing this, this, this lick for Jazz and Grass. It's a 2, 5, 1, and F. Um, so. That was the line. And I, I discovered you could... I'll probably leave some tab in the um, in the description of this uh, podcast. But I discovered you can sweep that line and uh, sweep this line as well. So you have and then you can. Um, so on your G string, you have a. So in your in your picking, do you have three downs in a row or two downs in a row? Oh, three. You, oh, you have three, and then you hit up. Okay, yeah. I mean, obviously that's very sloppy, but. It, it it was it was just a straight eighths two five one lick that that lends itself very nice to sweet pick the entire thing 
And uh, I want to find a way to like extend that line. All right, so with more like sweeping, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, a long like, you know, bar, two bar pattern uh, that's just <laughs> of, of going really, really fast. What was the name of that guy um, I was talking with you about? Uh, Frank and Bali? Yeah. Yeah, man. If you uh, if you haven't listened to any of that, he's like the sweep gang. You should check that out. If you liked anything Lyman was just doing. Yeah. Um, he does it eight million times better. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like it would sound better, you know, with with a lot of distortion. Yeah, and like uh, like a fuzz pedal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's how you, uh, you 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 sweep cleanly. Step one: don't sweep cleanly. Step two: cover it up with effects. Yeah. Uh, get yourself a really tiny amp. And stand at the other end of a very long tunnel and then put your audience on the other side. And <laughs> that'll be perfect. Yeah, be wonderful. But yeah, like that, that, that one line has gotten me interested in uh, like learning more about uh, how I can just sweep different lines and learning different patterns to, uh, to sweep upon. Obviously, this one is one I use all the time. Right, yeah. That's good. That's pretty smooth, man. Like, looking at your pick. That's a, that's a line. Uh, Miles will know where it's from. Uh I'm not going to say it on camera. But. <laughs> <laughs> is it because you don't want to admit, like, which anime theme song is from? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Beautiful. I, thi- I think we actually discussed it in a podcast, Miles and I. So go back, listen for it. Uh, you'll, <laughs> you'll figure it out. Lovely. Hey, speaking of that, on guitar related, have you watched the uh, Netflix version of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Bleach? No, I, I heard it was not too good. <laughs> uh, I think it was one of those things where, like, the special effects are fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, like, the rest of it, you should just watch the real thing. Not, I, I not that I've ever first... watched anything like that. I would never watch and never have watched anything like that. <laughs> I watched like the first 10 minutes of Full Metal Alchemist, the live action version uh-huh. uh, on Netflix, and uh, I made it through the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet, <laughs> uh, but if it's that good, then maybe I won't. <laughs> um, I also did watch... Uh, the Attack on Titan live action movie, and uh, that uh, that also wasn't good. Solid, solid. So it seems like Netflix has like a really good track record with the uh, converting. Uh, oh wait, are all of those Netflix? I don't think Full Metal Alchemist is Netflix. I watched it on Netflix, uh, but I don't think it is. Yeah, Netflix it's not one that Netflix has done. Yeah. And Attack on Titan is not a Netflix original. 
Hey, so I made all of that up. It's just, it's just bleach. <laughs> I don't think you made it up. I think it's just all live action anime adaptations are bad. Yeah, that's fairly accurate. I would know. I'm a bluegrass musician, Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> really, really talking about things I know about right here on the Jazz and Grass podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Um, is there anything else? I think we're we're hitting the, the tail end of this thing. I think we're beating the horse a little bit. Yeah, I think we got it. I think that's a podcast. That would be a podcast. End time commercials. End times commercials. Um, yeah. I was, try- <laughs> I was trying to uh, hand that off to you, but I, I, I realized I kind of set myself up. I'm Lyman Lipke. You can find me at LymanLipke.com. Oh, I like how you made that nice and simple for the people. Now I'm going to give my super long thing at the end. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> hey, my name is Marcel. You can find me. Uh, everything is labeled Lessons with Marcel. You can find me on YouTube, Lessons with Marcel. Lots of free bluegrass guitar videos on there. Um, you can also find me on some other stuff, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. Uh, on my website, you can get merch. I got T-shirts now. Um, you can also get a bunch buy of tabs at the merch. tab store. Yeah, buy, buy that, that merch. merch. Um, oh, that's going to be terrible. Now you got to sync that up so we say it at the same time. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, check me out on there. Check out that stuff. Um, I'm excited. My t-shirt was supposed to get here today, but I don't think it's here yet. Um, anyway, you got to get a t-shirt, man. I'm not I'm not giving yeah. you a free t-shirt. You got to yeah, buy your own. <laughs> I will purchase purchase the Lessons with Marcel t-shirt. What, what is that shirt you're wearing right now? It's a shirt for the green frog in Bellingham. Oh, I thought it was like a ninja turtle. I wish it was a ninja turtle. <laughs> yeah, I see the frog with the guitar now. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's everything I uh, I got. Oh yeah. Also, you should check us out, Jazz and Grass on Instagram. New guitar lick Monday through Saturday. Jazz guitar licks and bluegrass guitar licks. There you go. Mm-hmm. We do have a phone number, a hotline. You can call us, leave us a message. Any hour of the day or night. Um, you can even text the number as well if you want to yell at us via text message. And that number is area code 724-257-1046. That's 724-257-1046. Hey, we did it. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Goodbye.